And uh, there you go. So, everyone, open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Uh, love when this stuff happens. I tell you what, give me a second. I'll even tell you a personal story why I try to fix this. Um, some of you guys know that uh, Jody and my son uh, Ben got to uh, go to uh, drop him off at college. Uh, that was great, and uh, he seems to be doing great, although he is not talking to us, not because he doesn't love us. Uh, he's just in college and has other things to do. And then uh, our oldest turned 21, so it's been a week. It's like, what is going on? I just got really old all of a sudden, and um, although I've, been, I've known I've been old for a while. How many of you guys like that my, my, uh, I have a Star Wars background? There you go. So some of you are like, wow, look at this cool Star Wars background. All right, boy, second service is going to love this. Ethan, go ahead and switch to your own screen, all right? Hey, uh, turn to chapter 8. We're going we're gonna to walk you through this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best here. Hey, um, have you ever had a week in which uh, you just get drained? That's my week. And uh, as great as this was uh, to take Ben uh, to school and see him off, and as great as it was for Ethan to turn 21, I'm finding myself coming today going, wow, you're empty. You ever had that feeling? So I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm empty. And so, uh, by the way, that doesn't mean that God is still not on his throne. It doesn't mean he's not good. Does that make sense? But I'm just telling you, being honest with you as your pastor, there's times you walk up here and you go, wow, I am just drained. So... I need God's word to speak to me. You need God's word to speak to you. So why don't we do this, shall we? All right. Hey, I um, want to let you know if you, if you have the YouVersion app, you can actually grab all the verses for today. They're already preloaded for you. And I uh, want you to be aware of that. And uh, you can jump in. Romans 8. We, have spend, uh, we are spending four weeks on just one chapter uh, in Romans, Romans 8. Why? It's a special uh, chapter. It's a, it's a powerful chapter. And we, we're in week three of this little section here. And we started off with this idea that God says, listen, you got a choice. Either you're going to walk in the spirit or you're going to walk in the flesh. And gives the details of what that looks like. And this context of if we are walking in the spirit and what that looks like. And again, not that I'm not going to be someone who sins. Not that I'm going to be someone who doesn't mess up. It's the idea that I know that my daily heart is seeking after him. And then um, last week, uh, man, we just kind of just opened up God's word and we were just seeing uh, again this incredible uh, context of what God is doing in our lives when he calls us his children and calls us his heirs. And we get to call him Abba, Father. And, and we walk through all the elements to that. And we ended actually uh, with the verse that we're going to begin with today. And that is uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 18. So if you don't have your Bibles, boy... Here we go. All right. Um, Romans chapter 8, verse 18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is revealed to us. And I read you that whole list of how he said shipwrecked and beaten. And, and, and again, he just goes to this whole, by the way, flogged four times. And he goes, yeah, but the problems of the, don't even compare to the glory. And, and I think it's because we can't even sometimes fathom the glory of Christ. To underline this in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18, I'll give you a chance to get there. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18. This is what Paul writes also on this. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us 
an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Let me just read that to you again. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So again, Paul, in two different books, is talking about this idea that there's this glory that is beyond. And sometimes, by the way, I'm just going to be honest with you, that those of us that are in it can't imagine it. Did anyone of you as a teenager have a crush? Did you have a crush? And that crush went bad? No? Oh, that's right. You guys crushed, got married. Okay, we don't get to, You're out of this conversation. You'll never understand. But, but it's interesting. Those of maybe your parents are older would give you that sense of like, you're going to get through this. But you were like, no, I'm going to die. I'm going to die right here. It's not going to happen. And they're like, no, it's going to get better. It is. You're like, no, you're lying. My life is over. See, the thing is, is that there is this context that God goes, no, I know what you're feeling. You feel like it is everything, but it's not. The struggle that you're in, you feel like it, it, it defines you, but it doesn't. The struggle that you have, you think that, that it's going to be the thing that crushes your soul, and God goes, but I'm with you. And it's hard for us to have something that is so much bigger, so much more uh, beyond, but that is his heart. Go back to Romans 8, verse 19. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Now, i got to give you really quickly. We have Adam and Eve in the garden. Perfect. Everything is working great. Everything is wonderful. And then there is sin. A part of that sin is that God says the earth will now put forth thorns and thistles. By the, by the sweat of your brow, Adam, you will then make your living. So then, because of the sin of man, our creation has been in bondage. It was never meant to be this way. God did not create for it to be this way. He did not create for, honestly, for hurricanes to come through that now we need to go take care of homes. It's not created for there to be volcanoes that destroy. There's not this idea of tsunamis. That was not the heart. It comes out of a reality that this world is now in bondage because of thus as man. For creation waits for eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. It wants us to finally be fulfilled. It wants for Christ to come back and put us back into right relationship so that all creation can be back into the way that it was originally meant to be. Paul goes on, for creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Now, what's interesting is, is this is one of the weird situations where whoever was doing verses actually did something weird. He put a comma when he probably, I mean, he put, he put a verse where he shouldn't have. It says, in hope, and then it goes on, it says to the next verse. It shouldn't be there. In hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and attain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. There will be a day when this creation, in, it's in hope that when we actually have Christ come back and sets everything right, it will no longer be in bondage. And so, Yes, there are verses that says, by the way, you dig a pit, you'll fall into it. You push a rock up a hill, it rolls back on top of you. Have you ever had creation hurt you? 
Yeah, it's called gravity. Uh, couple of these things that take place. And it was never meant to be this way. And creation is looking, <laughs> I think creation is looking at us going, ah, oh, these human beings, they've just messed with me this whole time. Now watch this. I want you to go to Isaiah 65, 17. Isaiah 65, 17. And we read this in verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. I want you to see that again. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. So all these things that have defined us, again, about this creation, God goes, no, when I make new heaven, this stuff gets to go away. Back to Romans 8, 22. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. What a beautifully painful illustration. Groaning in pains of childbirth until now. Um, Hopefully around 50% of this room understands what we're talking about right here. And the other 50% got to watch this process. Right? There is, by the way, there's this moment that you go, I remember when the doctor says, this baby is coming now. Right? You're like, we're not, you're not going back home. This is it. And all of a sudden, the pain increased. Right? Exponentially. Jody had back labor with Ethan. I remember I was, she was like, push on my back. I remember thinking I was going to snap her in half. I could not push on her, on her back hard enough. She had back labor and I was just pushing like crazy. She goes, push harder. I'm like, I'm going to kill you. But whatever I was pushing felt better than the pain she was having, right? And again, this, this labor, this, this idea of the pains that come, it says, look, for all creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. It's like, look, we want this to be over. We want this to be done. We are tired of this, that we have been in this place that we've never should have been in the first place. But this illustration of childbirth, this idea is that it, can, it grows, it's going to be more, and it's going to get more intense. Verse 23, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait. Now, for those of you that have your scripture, I'm going to get to the second part of that in a minute. I'm only going to go up to that word wait for right now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves. So here's what's interesting. When you become a follower of Christ and you start seeing the glory that was talked about in verse 18, then what happens is the things of this earth start to actually lose their luster and lose their shine. And you start to realize, I'm a foreigner here. This is not my home. This doesn't fulfill me. This doesn't give me what I'm looking for. This doesn't accomplish what I wanted to do. The things that the earth promises, the things that people promise, the things that, that, that society promises, you realize that they are empty and without value. And so inside of you starts to be this idea that we ourselves start groaning inwardly going, this is not where I want to be. I want to go home. I want that glory. Because again, we start to see this for the facade that it is. How many of you guys have been to Universal Studios? You guys ever been there? 
I want to tell you the story about my uncle. My uncle is from West Texas, and um, I'm going to tell you this. I, he, he'll never hear this message. It's fine. Living in West Texas, he thought that what happened on the TV was reality TV back in, 19, in the 70s and in the 80s. So when you were watching Dallas, there really was a J.R. Ewing. Does that make sense? He had convinced himself that somehow this TV allowed you to have a mirror into real people's lives. Fully convinced. We did not know this. We took him to Universal Studios. We're thinking he's going to have a great time seeing how, how, how the movies are made. As we're going through Universal Studios, he's getting madder and madder. Because he's now been lied to. He now realizes that this house that he thought was real was a facade. Do you understand what I'm saying? He is, I mean, I'm not kidding, gutturally angry. He went home and threw his TV away. (laughs) This is no joke. Because in his mind, now all of that is a lie. Right? I mean, seriously, it was so funny because we're like, oh, this is where they made the monsters. I don't know how he realized that the monsters were not real, <laughs> but he was angry. And I don't even know how he, I remember we went by the psycho house, right? And it's just, you guys notice it's just this house on a lot? He's like, what? I want you to become my uncle about this world. Folks, what the world is offering is a facade. And it is a lie. And Satan wants to tell you that if you only eat this way or do this or try this or do this, and I'm telling you, it's a lie. And when we really get that it's a lie, then I want you to have the same heart of my uncle who, wanted to, who went home and threw his TV away and go, I don't want to be here. I want to be where there is truth. Are you hearing me on that? And not only creation, but we ourselves have put the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait. I'm going to have us jump now to 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 2 through 7. For in this tent we groan. This is my tent. Okay? In this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. Here's the thing. I'm going to tell you that many of you have thought very often about putting on your heavenly dwelling. And my question is, why not? And the answer is because we keep trying to figure out we can do something with this one that's going to make us happy. If I only lose the weight, if I only do this, if I only try this, if I can only drive that, if I can only go here, if I can only get that raise. And what we do is we still, listen to me, are trying to take this broken down thing and this tent that he calls it, and we're going to try to make it palatial and be that it's going to be enough. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. I'm going to jump down to verse 4. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we should be unclothed, but that we we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. So what is mortal, this tent may be swallowed up by life. Watch what happens. Verse 5. 
He who has prepared, uh, he who has prepared for us the very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Verse six. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Verse seven. For we walk by faith and not by sight. So the goal I have is to get to where I get a heavenly body. And to do so, I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. Meaning, I am not going to let the things I see define me or tell me who I am. I want to live by faith into a glory that is coming, a heavenly body that is going to actually fulfill me, and being with God that's going to give me everything that I'm looking for. But the more I try to make my tent seem like it's what I want, I'm going to miss out. So let's go back to verse 23. I only read the first part of it. And not only creation, but we ourselves have this first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly, uh, as we wait eagerly for adoption to son, the redemption of our bodies. Now I want you to see this. Many of you have been around people um, who've adopted children. Most of the time, those children are babies. Rarely, though, does it happen, but it does, when you have a child who is old enough to know that there could be a family that could come and choose them. That a mother and father could walk into an orphanage or into an foster care and say, you're mine. And I can't imagine the heartache of, of, of someone who waits day after day for someone to come in and say, I choose you. But that is the imagery that is used here. We wait eagerly for adoption as sons. Now listen, we've all been chosen, but what he's talking about here in this adoption of sons is that I fully get to have everything as heir, which we talked about last week, and co-heir with Christ. He's promised us all that we're heirs and co-heirs with Christ. And we wait we wait eagerly for adoption sons. We want that moment where we step out of, honestly, this is what he's saying. This world is the orphanage, folks. Are you hearing me say that? This is the orphanage. And I get to be chosen and walk into my forever home. My forever home. And all that is given to me. The redemption of our bodies. Now, I would have to believe that something of this is going to somehow be connected to my heavenly body, but I hopefully only the good parts, and I don't even know what my good parts are. Because otherwise, how would you know me? But there's something about when I'm going to be redeemed that I'm going to be made whole. And there's something beautiful about that. Verse 24. For in this Hope we were saved. For in this hope we were saved. Now, again, my hope, my hope is for eternity. The hope that is seen is not hope. We all know that, right? If I hope for an ice cream and you give me an ice cream, I'm no longer hoping for an ice cream because I now have an ice cream. Are we all clear on that? Hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? So I am wanting 
desiring this glory that I'm going to have to deal with all of this struggle with now, but I hope is that when I get there, I will leave the orphanage, I will walk into the place, be adopted, and get everything that God offers. And in that moment, I am hoping for that day. I am hoping for that day. I am going to live in this orphanage. I'm going to be nice to you. I'm going to play nice, hopefully. I'm going to share the soccer ball, whatever I got to do. But my hope is not here. My hope is for the home that is waiting for me. That is where my hope comes from. And because of that hope, because I believe that he has told me that he is preparing a place for me, but I believe that he has a place where I will be called his child, I then live by faith in wanting to have that home. So, verse 25. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Folks, I'm not a patient person. Not. So how do we sit in this place that says, you know what? If he says it, it's good enough. If he says that he's coming back for me, he's coming back. If he says that I will be fulfilled, I will be fulfilled. And if he tells me this is the orphanage, folks, trust me, it's the orphanage. As much as you want to take the tent and dress it up and do all these other things, you need to understand this is not your home. As a matter of fact, this could be the very thing that keeps you from your home. Because if you put all your hope here, you put all your trust here, you put it on the title and everything else, you'll miss it and you'll lose it. Romans 2.7 says this, To those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. I'll read this to you again. To those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. Meaning that what I do is I don't put my eyes down on this earth. I am putting my eyes to glory. I am putting my eyes to immortality. I am putting my eyes, by the way, to well-doing while here. Then eternal life is waiting for me. The eternal life is waiting for me. So, verse 26. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. So, now we're going to get into some stuff that you just need to know is some heavyweight stuff. As much, listen to me, as much as I want the glory, as much as I want to be with him, as much as I know that this is not my home, and I can say that intellectually in my day-to-day life, I'm still in that battle of that flesh. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for, for, uh, pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So I'm going to say this to you. It's not easy to be a follower of Christ. It's just not. It is meant to help that that God goes, look, you don't even know sometimes what you should be praying, but you know you have a heart that way, but you don't even know how to form the words. And the Holy Spirit comes in and goes, I'm going to fill in those gaps for you. I'm going to fill in those gaps for you. 
So, in this process, we need to understand that the Holy Spirit goes, Jeff doesn't have the word. So I'm going to try to explain it to you this way. By the way, this is, a, this is not the greatest illustration, but it maybe give you a little bit of insight. Um, moms, you are amazing. And, and it's interesting how quickly you're able to do this. Um, Jody did it with my boys. Where my boys would make a grunt, a noise, a point, and a gesture. And she would then say, Ethan wants the cupcake on the counter. <laughs> Are you with me on that? None of that told me what I thought he said or was doing. But Jody, spending time with Ethan every day, being around him, knowing what this means or what he wants, kind of a deal, right? She could translate. And I've watched this now, mom after mom. I'll be like at a little birthday party and the little, you know, little one or whatever, they'll grunt, point, everything else, and there'll be a full translation. Have you ever translated for your kids, moms? Raise your hands. You go, Okay. And in doing so, the reason you were able to do that is that you know your kid, know they don't have the words for it, but have learned enough about their mannerisms and learned about who they are that it, you can basically kind of figure those things out. Are we, are we together on that? Okay, now I'm going to take it to the next level. Our next level is this. I've watched my boys with Zach. So Zach is seven years younger than Ben. He is 10 years younger than Ethan. All right? Now, what was interesting is Zach came along. Uh, Ethan would have been 10. Zach would have been seven. See, I can do math. So in that, um, as Zach got to be a little bit older, they started to pick up on some of the things. Does that make sense? Your kids kind of figured out your younger kids. Are you all with me on that? Here's the fun part. So now we're at a gathering, mom's not here. Now, Zach wants the cupcake. Ethan and or Ben would realize that's what they wanted, but here's where it gets interesting. But he also knows his mom and would, would say this, hey, Zach wants the cupcake, but I don't think mom wants him to have the cupcake. We're going to give him the celery. Are you with me on that? Are you all with me on what's happening here? Because here's the deal. Mainly because they didn't want to be in trouble with mom, they're not giving Zach the cupcake. Now, what does Zach want? Okay, yes, he does. But he also just wants to be fed, right? He wants to be fed. Now, his choice is the, thank you. He doesn't want the celery. He doesn't want the carrot stick if there is a choice. If there was no choice, he would be fine with the carrot. Does that make sense? So Ethan and or Ben would look at Zach, Zach, uh, blah, 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 right? And he goes, oh, he's hungry. He wants the cupcake. Give him the carrot. <laughs> Are you following along what just happened? I believe that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit comes in and we want the will of God. We want to be connected to God, but we don't know how to put all that together. And the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf and says this, God, he wants you. That is his heart's desire, but he doesn't have the words for it. 
So I'm going to intercede on his behalf and say that this little thing he's doing with the grunting and the pointing and all this stuff, God, he wants you. And he wants what you desire. And again, I can look at Zach and, and again, given the choice, he's going for the cupcake. But the Holy Spirit, just like Zach, could basically say what he wanted, <clears throat> but not fully. The Holy Spirit responds on our behalf. The weakness of us believers in prayer is that we do not have adequate grasp of what God's will is when we pray. Because our finiteness and fallibility, we cannot perceive fully what God would desire. But I love that my heart wants what God wants. Do you hear what I'm saying? I love that my heart can want what God wants. Verse 27. And he who searches the hearts knows that it is the mind, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And the Spirit is trying to push us back towards the will of God. This is. Um, this is by a guy named T.R. Schreiner. It says, we should take tremendous encouragement that we, that the, I'm sorry, the will of God is being fulfilled in our lives despite our weakness and inability. Let me say that again. We should take tremendous encouragement that the will of God is being fulfilled in our lives despite our weakness and inability to know what to pray for. God's will is not being frustrated because of our weakness. Listen to this. God's will is not being frustrated because of our weakness. It is being fulfilled because the Spirit is interceding for us in invariably receiving affirmative answers to his pleas. The deepest longings, groanings of our heart are to accomplish the will of God. So let me say this to you. The Holy Spirit is saying, hey, he doesn't need the cupcake. He just wants to be fed by you. All right, I got to move on. Verse 28, Romans 8, 28. And we know that, our, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, here's the hard part about this, folks. That good is not necessarily your good, meaning that he's always going to do things that are good for you all the time. Everything will be happy and good. No, that means, yes, God for his good may, you, may let you experience cancer. For his good and what ultimately he wants done in your life and for his will, he may let you experience job loss. For your good, for your good and for his ultimate good, he may allow for you to experience the loss of someone you really, really care for. And you have to understand that do we trust him that he is a good God? Do we trust him that he is doing something far greater? And if my love is for him, then no matter what I experience, it is for his good and for the good of what he's trying to accomplish. I don't have to understand it all the time. I just have to trust it that he is good. And so I just need you to understand, this passage is used all the time. And I think sometimes people are like, God's going to work everything out for my good. No, he's working out things for what? Good. And it could be a blessing to you, but it could be a struggle. By the way, go back to verse 18, or a struggle or a suffering that you're going through because of the glory that you're going to get. For those who are called according to, by the way, look at the last two words, 
His what? Purpose. Not yours. His. Verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now, um, I have 30 seconds to take on a gigantic theological issue. Let me say this to you. There are more resources available to you if you want to deal with the issue of predestination. There are those who believe that God has just already chosen who's going to go to heaven. It's called predestination, and there are churches that are going to be based around that concept. Your pastor does not believe that in this context of predestination, we're talking about individuals. I believe that predestination is dealing with us as Gentiles, that it was predestined that we be brought into the family of God. I'm not telling you that this is a, by the way, I'm not calling this a salvation issue. You can look through this on your own study. I'm just telling you that when I read this passage, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That means as a Gentile, I was predestined that I could be one of his kids and adopted into that family. If you believe differently, that is okay. Walk through that, study with that, wrestle with that. And I'm not trying to sit here and say, oh, this is what you have to believe. I'm just telling you, as I read scripture, I'm telling you, when I look at predestination, I believe that Jesus was talking about a family that was the Israelites, and it was predestined that us as Gentiles get to be brought into that. I'm giving you a very simple answer to a very complicated issue. I understand that. For our purposes today, just understand that in this context, that I'm saying that we got to be accepted and adopted as sons and daughters. Verse 30. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he glorified. Now look what it says here. For those he predestined, he also called. He calls us, says, you're mine. Those he called, he also justified. He takes away our sin, justifies us. Doesn't hold our sins against us. And those he justified, he glorified. It says, you get to become my heir and you get to have eternal life with me. This section of scripture is so rich and so heavy, but let me just wrap it up by saying this. I want to encourage you to hear a God that is saying to you, listen, I understand that this is not your home. I understand that you want to have a glory that is beyond. While you are here, know that he will give life to your mortal bodies, but this is not what is going to fulfill you. Ultimately, what's going to fulfill you is me. And while you're in the orphanage, do what you have to do, but know that you've been adopted. And when you come into my home, you are heirs of everything that I have. May we be people that understand that the things of this earth are never going to satisfy. I don't care how they advertise it. I don't care how big the billboard is. It is never going to satisfy. And may we understand that the only thing that's ultimately going to satisfy is him and the Holy Spirit who comes into our lives and speaks to us. And then when we don't know what to say, when we don't have words to say, God, I want your will. I want your direction. The Holy Spirit goes, I got this. Jeff wants to be within your will, heavenly father. And he hears us. And he hears us. And in doing so, says, I want you to have life. Life. And by the way, I'll justify you and glorify you. And by the way, he is preparing a place for you. And I'm going to walk into that. He's going to go, welcome home, son. I made this for you. I made this for you. You're out of the orphanage. You're mine. You're mine. All of this is yours. Come in and finally be fulfilled. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, would you be with uh, today? Would you be with how we hear these words? Would you let them begin to sink into your soul? Let it sink into my soul.
That, Father, when I don't have the words, when I feel like I don't have it, you've, the Holy Spirit's already been speaking on my behalf. He's already been groaning on my behalf. And, Father, forgive us that sometimes we love this earth and the things that it offers more than you. So, Father, would you just allow us, allow us, Father, um, to really uh, be encouraged by our time. Our time in your word and our time as we move from here. I thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.